Well, welcome everyone to the next episode of our podcast series focusing on various wealth issues and opportunities with advice tailored to today's events. My name is Gary Poth and I lead our family wealth business here at KeyBank. And today's topic is focused on private investment strategies. Joining me today uh, for our discussion are, are two of our experts, Greg Diena, who is the Director of Investment Consulting for our Northeast region, and Joe Stone, who's the Director of Investment Consulting for our Southeast region. So Greg's, uh, just a little bit of background about both. Greg is a graduate of the University of Delaware. He holds the CFA designation. He's got more than 20 years of experience advising our ultra high net worth families on both traditional and alternative investment. Prior to joining Key Family Wealth, Greg held senior positions at U.S. Trust, Wells Fargo, and J.P. Morgan. Joe's a graduate of Marshall University. He also holds an MBA from Wake Forest and also the SEMA, CFP, CTFA designations. And Joe's got well over 20 years uh, experience as well uh, with our family. So welcome, Greg and Joe. So uh, before we uh, dive into today's topic, guys, I just want to mention as a backdrop to our families listening uh, that we are one of the largest and oldest family offices in the country. We serve about 250 families across our three offices, and we also manage about $14 billion uh, on their behalf. So with that, uh, let's frame up today's topic. I got three questions for you guys when it comes to private investments. First, uh, what is it? And uh, related, why should clients care? And then second, let's talk about the benefits of private investments. And then third, let's talk about the considerations uh, or things that uh, clients should be aware of before jumping into private investments. And maybe related to that, under the considerations, if you guys have a viewpoint of how today's environment is impacting the attractiveness of that asset class uh, or those asset classes as well. So let's start with uh, what is private investments and why should our clients care? And I'm going to throw that question out to, to both of you guys. So Gary, yeah, I'll start. But um, you know, we think about private investments uh, as investment strategies uh, that have different risk and return characteristics than traditional stocks and bonds. And that can include uh, asset classes like private equity, and there's uh, different types of private equity strategies, as well as uh, private credit, where firms are making loans to, to small, medium-sized uh, private businesses. Uh, Joe, I don't know if you want to cover any other uh, strategies within the private investment space. Sure. Under private equity, the, the two big ones, of course, are venture capital and buyout. Uh, venture capital, we're going to invest in early stages of companies that have strong growth prospects. Buyout is where we come in and buy an entire company. The, the goal is to improve the operations and financials and later sell it at a higher price. And uh, I think there's also private real estate that exists uh, that, that there's access to. Yeah, I'd say, too, one other um, asset class or strategy uh, within private investments uh, are hedge funds. And that's hedge funds is kind of a catch-all category can mean a lot of different things. But uh, the way we think about hedge funds are primarily as diversifiers and, um, and adding uncorrelated returns to clients' portfolios. In the past, uh, fixed income used to be used to play that role uh, in the current environment with rates so low. We're finding it difficult to find um, you know, good opportunities in fixed income. Uh, so hedge funds to us can play a role uh, that, that fixed income used to play, which is uh, steady uh, returns uh, and providing ballast when there's some volatility in the equity markets. 
Got it. So maybe for uh, for this discussion, let's focus on both private equity and uh, in a discussion around hedge funds as well. So uh, anything else uh, that uh, the two of you would like to talk about in terms of the asset class? And, and if not, maybe we can move on to why should clients care about this? Let me interject for just a second, Gary. One area that we're also seeing private funds offering publicly traded securities uh, we've seen that in the, sp in the equity space, in the municipal space. Um, the municipal space works very well because uh, if you're investing in municipals through a mutual fund or through uh, a separately managed account, every day that portfolio manager is a forced buyer and seller. And I think we all know that if we're forced to buy or forced to sell something, we may accept prices that are not optimal. In an LP structure, it allows the manager to know what the cash flows coming in and coming out are with a, a great deal of certainty. So they're never in that position where they have to be a forced buyer and forced seller. So we're extending what we're seeing that, that private investments go beyond private equity, private credit, private real estate to actually those structures picking up publicly traded uh, investments also, which is another opportunity. Yeah, good point, Joe. Let's talk about why clients should care and what are the benefits. The first thing that jumps out are, are the returns from private equity. And if we look at some data from Cambridge Associates uh, that goes till December of 2018, you know, private equity over the last 10 years versus the S&P has added a little over 1%. If we look a little longer and go out 20 years, that number goes to 5%. And over 30 years, that goes to 12. So the returns have been there. and I'll, I'll let Greg talk a little bit about the risk-adjusted returns and how the diversification benefit comes in. Yeah, well, I think the diversification benefit certainly comes in as a result of the environment that we're in right now with very low fixed income yields and, um, and low returns expected going forward from that part of your, your portfolio. So, you know, in a traditional 60-40 kind of allocation, that 40% fixed income you know, with the 10-year Treasury trading at around 0.8%, doesn't give you a lot of uh, return expectations going forward. So, you know, we think these strategies can play a role in um, in that part of your portfolio, which is traditionally invested in fixed income, and and, and substitute some you know very solid returns uh, for uh, that part of your uh, that part of your portfolio. And it uh, when it comes to returns. There's a, a wide dispersion and a wide variance uh, among the different managers in private equity and in hedge funds. Uh, maybe you guys can just talk a little bit about that, help our clients understand why uh, this asset class uh, not only is so important, but also uh, maybe just uh, some areas of maybe not uh, concern is the right word, but you got to be careful, right, uh, when you jump into private investments. and. You really got to know what you're doing. So maybe you can just talk a little bit about the different types of managers and the dispersion of returns. Yeah, Gary, on that, on that point, what we, when we study uh, the past returns of venture capital and buyout, what we find is the persistence of strong performers or in the top quartile type performance, they tend to stay in the top quartile. So they have auto-correlated returns. They, good returns are followed by good returns. And conversely, those that are in the bottom half or bottom quartile tend to stay that way. So when we are looking for 
private equity investments, especially in the venture capital and, and the buyout space, we want to focus on those strategies that have, that have had the consistency and the persistence of returns over time. Those tend to be better performers in the future. Very pronounced in venture and somewhat in buyout. Okay. And, and I don't know if you know this, uh, Greg or Joe, but if you had, if you looked across the universe of private managers in this space, how many people uh, are we talking about? How many managers are out there? Is it hundreds, thousands? Uh, research has, uh, has has come up with the fact that there are about uh, 8,000 firms or so globally that specialize in private equity investments, uh, managing over $7 trillion. So that's uh, that ranges, that can be a, a small kind of one or two person shop or a, a, a big uh, diversified investment firm. Uh, and globally speaking, so, so a wide range of, of types of firms uh, investing in a wide range of strategies. Yeah, so that begs the question, uh, just back to Joe's point around past success, uh, actually in this case predicts future success. How do we help a client sift through that universe of managers? I mean, that's, that's a lot of managers. And I would assume in that group, you've got a lot of uh, really good ones that clients, you know, would love to have access to, but you also have some, some ones that uh, they should absolutely stay away from. So maybe just spend a, a minute or two talking about um, how we think about evaluating those managers in our due diligence process. It really uh, it begins with how we uh, approach this business and how we approach uh, relationships with clients and being on the same side of the table as our clients. Uh, since we're held to the fiduciary standard, we have to uh, make decisions that are in our client's best interest. And many of the broker-dealer competitors uh, in this space charge firms a fee uh, to be uh, on their platform and offered to their clients. So as you would imagine, not every firm is willing to, uh, to pay a fee to a big broker-dealer to be on their platform. And so uh, you know, clients of that broker-dealer don't see necessarily the best managers, they just see the managers that are willing to pay for access. You know, because we are uh, held to fiduciary standard, our, our business is about minimizing conflicts of interest and providing uh, the best provider uh, strategies that we can find, uh, we are not you know, beholden to those kind of uh, you know, fee arrangements that might provide a, uh, you know, a worse outcome to our clients by narrowing the, the, the universe of managers that uh, we're willing, uh, are willing to provide uh, these services to our clients. Makes sense. Joe, anything you'd like to add yeah. to that? Yeah, to expound on that, as we had mentioned, you know, the autocorrelation of returns or the consistency of returns, you, how do you identify that? You identify that through the data, but you also identify that through relationships. And being a uh, family wealth group that has a long history of dealing with endowments, foundations, institutions, and taking those concepts and uh, moving those into the ultra high net worth or the, the family wealth space, the relationships that, that Key has developed over the years with some of these leading VC firms or buyout firms Will allows us to have that type of access and that type of relationship where we can offer these to a broader subset of our key family wealth clients and family. Got it. So uh, access and, a, and an unbiased approach to evaluating the managers uh, should be critical for our, for our families. Let's talk a little bit more about uh, other benefits uh, 
that uh, our clients should be thinking about in this space. And then we're going to move on to some considerations. So anything else that, uh, that comes to mind that clients should be aware of when it comes to, to the benefits? We've talked a little bit about diversification, about enhanced returns. What about on the uh, hedge fund side? Make your best case for why clients should be considering hedge funds. Yeah, Gary, I'll, I'll take that one. You know, the hedge fund space again is is a very broad it's a very broad name for strategies that just basically do things that are different than just buying stocks and buying bonds. You know, we use hedge funds as diversifiers and and funds that will provide uh, steady returns similar to what fixed income has provided in the past, but it can no longer do because rates are at such low levels. Uh, so we think by investing in a diversified portfolio of hedge fund strategies, we can replicate the kind of uh, steady uh, returns that fixed income has historically provided, again, as, as ballast for the, the portfolio when there's a significant amount of equity volatility. Yeah, it makes sense. I think, you know, hedge funds have gotten a, uh, a poor reputation, if you will, over the last uh, decade or so as compared to, say, private equity. But um, what I'm hearing from you, ne- nevertheless, right, it is an important part of a client's portfolio. Hedge funds perform well in the environment in which they're intended, right, to be that, a hedge of risk, and um, should still be considered a, a meaningful part of, of a client's portfolio. Did, did I get that right? Yeah, this is where our due diligence and, um, you know, our relationships uh, are so helpful. You know, you can, there's certainly uh, headlines from time to time about a notable hedge fund strategy that performs very poorly or has a really bad outcome. You know, we've been fortunate to um, you know, to not experience that and really use them uh, for what they're intended, which is to you know hedge and diversify uh, the risk of your uh, equity exposure. Got it. Okay. How about uh, any other considerations as we uh, look to wrap up uh, this podcast that clients should be aware of? I would say one thing, Gary, is we look at the publicly traded market. Throughout the years, we've seen a reduction in the number of publicly traded companies, which gives opportunities more towards the private market. To, to, put, to put that in perspective, there were 3,600 companies in the U.S. today. That's, all, that's about half as many as there were out in 1996, and it's three-quarters of the number that, that we had in 1976. So the private markets are becoming larger at the expense of the the public markets. Now, there's still plenty of opportunity there because if we look at domestic equity mutual funds, they manage about $8.4 trillion. If we look at buyout funds, they, they manage about $1.4 trillion. Venture, they're going to manage about $455 billion. So if you look at the entire equity capitalization of the U.S. stock market today, it's 20 times the size of the assets under management for buyout funds and more than 80 times the size of venture capital funds. So although there has been a large movement for companies to go from public to private, uh, there's still a, uh, we, we consi- there's still a considerable, opportun- uh, considerable opportunity in the private markets. Makes sense. Yeah, I'd also say just some, some considerations for clients as they think about this space is uh, you know, many times it's private equity and private credit partnerships can be illiquid, and which makes sense. You know, a private equity firm is is investing equity capital into small companies, and uh, as you would imagine, it's not so easy to get it uh, get it back right away. So, uh, really, um, earmarking uh, an appropriate part of your portfolio 
for these illiquid investments that can be uh, invested in these companies for you know, over 10 years is, is a primary consideration when you're, you're thinking about these kind of strategies. Okay, so just putting all of that together, private investment uh, market relative to public uh, continues to grow in size, the public opportunities continue to shrink. So that just means that clients are gonna have, a, have to be more uh, in tune with uh, the private equity uh, and private investment uh, opportunities. There's a wide dispersion uh, of performance uh, among uh, the private investment managers uh, that clients are going to need help with. The return profile of private investments uh, is, is very important, especially as the capital market assumptions of the public outlook, public markets uh, continues to decline. And so uh, all of that means that uh, our clients should be considering private investments if they don't already have it uh, as a meaningful part of their portfolio. Obviously, uh, Greg, you and Joe have described uh, the opportunity well, uh, but also some of the considerations and risk, uh, and all the more reason why uh, our clients need the help of unbiased experts uh, like uh, Greg and Joe. So uh, with that, let me uh, close this podcast by thanking you, our client, uh, for trusting Key to help you grow your business, uh, and also for trusting uh, Key Family Wealth to serve as your personal advisor on all aspects of wealth management. Uh, we know that you've got a lot of different choices out there when it comes to banking and wealth management. Uh, I can assure you that this team, including Greg and Joe, wake up every day thinking about how to better serve you and to better serve your family. So with that, we'll conclude this podcast, and uh, we want to wish you and your family uh, a happy and safe fall season.